to me up till I overflow. I wanna run over. I wanna run over. Fill me up until I overflow. I wanna run over. I wanna run over. Fill me up until I overflow. I wanna run over. I wanna run over. Fill me up. Come on, put your hands together. Till I overflow. I wanna run over. I wanna run over. Fill me up. Till I overflow. I wanna run over. I wanna run over. Fill me up. Till I overflow. I wanna run over. I wanna run over. Fill me up. Until I overflow. I wanna run over. I wanna run over. Fill me up. Till I overflow. I wanna run over. I wanna run over. Let's give God a hand clap. Amen. Let's give God some praise up in this house this morning. Let's give him some praise one more time. And let's give it to him one more time. Satan has no winning here. Before I get started this morning, Brother Norris, Deacon Norris, would you come around for just one second, please? Thank you. Testing. One, two, three. Can y'all hear me all right out there? Yeah. Amen. Deacon Norris, we've got an achievement of leadership here for you from House of Destiny Ministries. We're going to present it to you for your service of hospitality. On this day, 9-1-19, authentic seal of the House of Destiny International Ministry. Amen. You deserve it. The work's Thank not going. Thank you. The work don't go unnoticed. Y'all give him a big hand clap. Out here. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> We're going to go into the Word this morning. We've got a lot to cover. And uh, it's a powerful word this morning, and God has flooded the revelations in my head from heaven, and we're going to hopefully we can get all this out. It's entitled, The Elijah the Prophet. Let's pray. Father, in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We humbly come before you this morning in the presence of your holiness. Father, we humble ourselves as children of God. And I pray, Father God, that I decrease while you increase and allow me to bring forth this word, this kingdom word, the way that you and only you through the Holy Spirit could bring it. Father, I'm wise enough to know that Without you, I can do nothing. And I ask for your help right now. In Jesus' name, let the church say amen. amen. Let the church say amen again. Amen. Elijah the prophet. We're going to be coming out of 1 Kings, the 18th chapter, beginning at chapter 1, I meant verse 1 through 3. Amen. You know, the Bible says that Elijah was a man just like all of us, a regular man. But he prayed and he asked God to close up the heavens and not allow it to rain for three and a half years. Now, this word Elijah means one who knows that God is God. Amen? 
Well, how many of y'all know that the devil knows God too and trembles? So just knowing God hmm, might not be good enough. And we're going to show you this in the scripture. We're going to show you this in the scripture. And we're going to elevate your mind this morning as God has elevated mine. It says, and it came to pass, verse 18, I mean chapter 18, Verses 1 of 1 Kings, it says, And it came to pass after many days uh huh, that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year. See, it hadn't rained in over three years. Saying, Go, show thyself unto Ahab. And look what he says he's going to do. And I will send rain upon the earth. I want you to pay attention that God didn't ask him to do this. He told him to do it. See, there's a stipulation there. If you want it rain on the earth, then you go and you show yourself to Ahab. Now, Ahab is that spirit. It means uncle or father's brother, which means a Hindering spirit, a spirit that's always working against you, whether in the spirit realm or in the natural realm, there is a spirit in all of us, an Ahab spirit, that always try to hinder us from growing in our spiritual knowledge and our physical knowledge. Amen? All right. Now, God tells Elijah, the one that knows God, he said, go show yourself. In other words, you got to face that demon, amen? If you want to be blessed, if you want rain to come upon you, then you're going to have to face whatever it is that's holding you back. That's what God is saying there. We're talking a kingdom word up in there. This ain't got nothing to do with church. We the church. But the kingdom is inside. And we got keys to the mysteries of this kingdom. And that's what we do here. We open it up. Verse 2. <coughs> and the word of the Lord goes on and it says here, And Elijah went to show himself. Unto Ahab, Ahab being that old hindering spirit that keeps us from our spiritual and physical growth. And look here. And there was a sore famine in the land. It just wasn't a regular famine, but it was a sore famine in the land. See, didn't I tell you that that hindering spirit will cause a famine in your life? It'll dry you up. And you won't have no blessings coming. So while blessings are falling, while the rain is falling, we, we, we've got to take advantage because there's a storm coming. And the name ain't Dorian. Now you better hear this one's coming out of the spirit realm. And I'm trying to bring forth what God has presented to me to give to you. There is a storm coming, and it ain't Dorian. This one is coming from above. He said, as a soul famine in Samaria, Samaria being the area of your soul, the watchtower. Mm-hmm. We're going to break it down where you can see it just as clear. See, kingdom knowledge, when taught right, is just as clear. A baby can understand it. A fool can understand it. Even when they don't want to. So Ahab, what he did was he called Obadiah. Obadiah being the servant of the Lord. See, all these names and stuff, they are components to the spirit that is in you. All these names in the Bible, all these numbers, all this stuff, they are components to the spirit that's in you. And Ahab called Obadiah, which is the servant of the Lord, which was the governor of his house, 
Now, Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. See, see, you got two things going here. You see, see, just like Joseph, he's over the worldly affairs of this hindering spirit. But at the same time, Obadiah was a servant of the Lord. He feared. How many of y'all know the church that, 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 that the world always wants to use the blessings and the knowledge of the church in order to get what it wants? The world will use the church to get what it wants. It uses the services of, and the servants of the Lord every day to get what it wants. It said that Obadiah feared greatly. He feared the Lord greatly. But let's drop on down here. Verse 7. And as Obadiah was in the way, watch this. Who's the way? Jesus Christ. John 14, 6 said, I am the way, truth, and the life. I am the way. He was in the way. The servant of the Lord is always in the way. Not out of the way, but in the way. And when he was in the way, look who he met. He met Elijah, verse 7. And he knew him. And he fell on his face. And he said, Art thou that, my Lord, Elijah? And he answered, verse 8. And he answered him, I am. He said, go tell thy Lord, behold, that Elijah is here. And Obadiah, he said, what have I sinned, verse 9, that thou wouldest deliver or thou wouldest deliver thy servant into the hand of Ahab to slay me? Here is the first Episode of fear from disciples of Christ. I don't like that word Christian because the Romans gave y'all that name. I say the Romans gave y'all that name. You ain't, you, I'm not a Christian. I'm a disciple of God, disciple of Christ. The Bible called, you can't show me in here where Jesus said we were Christian. They were first called Christians at Antioch. By who? The Romans. Named you. The same ones that killed Jesus are the same ones who told you what to call yourselves. But that ain't what God called you. God called you disciples of Christ. Jesus Christ said, You're my disciples. You'll never hear that word come out of Jesus' mouth that we're Christians. You show it to me in the book. And I'll show you one time in Acts where they were first called Christians at Antioch, but by who? You never asked yourself that question, did you? You just went for it, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Now, the difference between a disciple and a Christian is this. Christian can be anybody. Anybody can say I'm a Christian. But a disciple, that's one that's learned and disciplined in the way. Amen? See the difference? See, Christ put a mandate on us. He said, now, if you're going to be my disciples, you're going to have to deny yourself. You're going to have to come after me. You're going to have to deny yourself, matter of fact, daily. And you're going to have to take up your cross. You're going to have to follow me. Mm-hmm. Check and see what, why they called you Christian. God didn't call you that. I'm going to mess up your heads this morning because, see, I still got some church to get out of some of you. Still got some church to get out of some of you. See, you've been up in church too long. You, we still haven't become the church. We just go to church, but we haven't become it yet. And the only way you can become the church is through kingdom. Amen? And he said, what about the first thing that Obadiah done, the service of the Lord, is he got scared. He got scared when he was given a task that he felt was out of his jurisdiction. Ain't that what Christians do, run and hide? Ain't that what we do? When things get a little tough, you know what we do? We run. We get scared. Well, let's move on. Verse 19 says, Now therefore send another, or now therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmen. See, Elijah finna to do something for the Lord here. He said, now you go and you meet me on Mount Carmel, and I want you to bring all those 450 prophets of Baal 
that's the one that's worshiping a false god. And anything that you put before God, including yourself, is called Baal. I'm going to say it again. Anything that you put before God, including yourself, is called Baal. 450 of me called them the Mount Carmel. Now, Mount Carmel is that place of plentifulness. It's that place where you got way more than enough. Amen? Mm-hmm. So he goes on, and he brings in 400 more of them of the prophets of the grove that ate at Jezebel's table. See, they the one that teach you how to eat the wrong thing out of church. In other words, they the one that's them lying preachers. That's what that is, feeding you a wrong diet that's causing you to fall short continuously of what the Lord would have you to do. He said, look here, I want you to bring them all together. So they brought them all together, and as the story goes, these false prophets, they were screaming and hollering, all day long to the evening. And in the evening, they began to cut on themselves. And Elijah began to probe at them and juggle them and, and, and make fun of them. <laughs> and in the midst of all of that, when they was making fun of them, you see, they, they just got worse and worse and worse. Until Elijah said, enough of this. I'm going to show you who the real God is. Does anybody in here want to know who the real God is today? I mean, do you really want to know who the real God is today? Because God will show up in your life and in mine if you allow him. But if you've got that hindering spirit, see, see, that church spirit is a hindering spirit. Because it won't let you grow. It's caught up in religion. It's, that's all it does. It, does the, it, it doesn't teach you anything new. It doesn't give you anything much to think about that you don't already know. But God say, I'm going to load you up with benefits, new ones, every day. That includes revelations. We ought to be receiving something new from God every day that we didn't know the day before. Because that's what keeps us growing. You don't grow off what you ate yesterday. You got to keep eating. And it's the same thing with the Word of God. You got to keep on eating. You got to keep on eating. You got to keep on searching. You got to keep on growing. Not with church knowledge, but with kingdom knowledge. One of these days, you're going to tap into that kingdom. It's inside you. And when you do, then you'll understand this Word more and more that be coming from this pulpit. See, the kingdom word is going to make you think about it from internally, constantly. So here he is, and he, 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 takes, he takes these uh, 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 prophets, and he just tears them up. I mean, he just totally goes through them, and what we call he decimates them. But I want you to go to verse 31. Through 35. Come, let me show you something here. Don't you, don't you see something here? Verse 31 of First King chapter 18. Over there. Can I get it on the screen, please? Or are you sleeping back there? And Elijah, look what he did. The one that knows God. He took 12 stones, 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob. The 12 stones are the 12 spiritual thoughts that God has for man in order for man to know who he is. They are the 12 is the divine purpose of God in man. Those stones represent spiritual thoughts. Elijah took 12 stones those 12 spiritual thoughts indicated as the tribes of the sons or the builders of Jacob unto whom the Lord or the word of the Lord came saying, Israel shall be thy name. Israel, 
The word Israel means the one that shall rule as God or like God. And it's all in the Bible where we're going to rule not only in the earth but in the heavens too. Because God said, no, you're not. You're going to judge not only the world, but you're going to judge angels too. Sounds like rulership to me. Mm-hmm. Next verse, verse 32. And with the stones, those spiritual thoughts, look what he did. He built an altar. What do you think the altar is built at? The altar is built within your soul. That's why you got to build the altar to make the sacrifice. The soul consists of the mind, will, and the emotion. There are some decisions you've got to make. He said he, he, he took those 12 stones, those spiritual thoughts, and he built an altar in whose name? In the name of the Lord. You can't take physical thoughts and build in the name of the Lord because flesh and blood can't enter into the kingdom of God, the Bible says. But then he did after he built the altar with the 12 spiritual thoughts. See, that's God's divine purpose in man. He made a trench about the altar. See, that trench represents healing. How many want to be healed? How many want to be healed of your sins and your deformities? See, uh-huh. See, after you build this thing, you got to put a trench around it and let God heal you and cure you. He said, now, put it back up there. As Great as would contain two measures of seed. See, it's a lot going on here. You see, that trench, your healing comes from two measures of seeds. What it's saying here is that you got to be in covenant with God and his word. Two is the covenant between God and man. And look, you've got to have a covenant with the seed. Now, we know that the seed is the word of God. If, you, if I'm giving you this word here today and it's not doing you any good and you're not in covenant with what's being said, then it's not going to do you any good. You're just going to leave here and you're going to leave here the same way you left or the same way you came. It ain't going to do you no good. If all you do is leave here, hear this word, don't go back, and sit and put some time, go on Facebook or Sermon.net, iTunes, I don't care where you go, go somewhere and hear the word again. Where God can speak to you, where you can understand what's going on. Because there's too much to be thrown out here today for you to just grasp. But for God's sake, grasp something. Amen? Next verse. 33. So our God, he says here in verse 33, look what he did. And he put the wood in order. My God. Boy, that's another thing we need to understand is order. He put the wood in order. The wood here is designated to our strength. See, you know what we do? When we try to do things in our own street strength, don't we always fail? The joy of the Lord is our strength. If you don't have no joy in the Lord, you're not going to have any strength. Did you hear me? Now, I know what I'm talking about up in there because I've been at the point where I, just, I didn't have no strength at all because I, did, I couldn't feel the joy of the Lord. Didn't feel it. See, this wood, it's got to be placed under this altar. In other words, your strength has got to be released into God's hand. You got to take your strength out of your hand because you can't do nothing. Only thing we can do is mess up something. That's all we can do. We can't do nothing else but mess it up. Verse 33 goes on and says, and he cut the bullocks in pieces. See, it's so much here, you just can't run through this. You can't just read this and go to hooping and hollering like something crazy. You can, no, you're going to miss it all. It's too much here. And God wants us to read the word and expound it to his people in a spiritual way where you can understand what's going on inside yourself. You got to build an altar. The only way you're going to build an altar is how? Through the spiritual thoughts. Those 12 
spiritual thoughts of God. That's the only way you're going to build it. Then, then if you want the healing, then you, you, you got to, the only thing going to heal you is the word of God. That's why he put the seed there in the trench. But now you got to put the wood there too. In other words, you got to exchange your strength for God's strength in you. Amen? Because if you try to go this journey on your own, you're not going to make it. You're going to burn out. Well, let's go on and through, down through here because it's, it's a lot here. Verse 33. And look what he did. He cut that bull up, right? And laid him on the wood mm-hmm, and said, Fill four barrels with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. Look what God does. He takes and he cuts this bull up. See, the bull represents sacrificial fights in the flesh. Now, we all know that we don't sacrifice everything in the flesh all at once, do we? It will cut up. See, you, you, you got to place one thing at a time on it. You know what I mean? Until you get it all on there. And then, after he did that, he went on and in verse 33, and he said, fill four barrels with water. Four means you've got to give it all to God. Four means totality. You've got to give all of yourself. Jesus said you've got to deny yourself. That means you've got to give it all to me. If you want it to work, if I want it to work for me, you've got to give it all to me. Some, he's not satisfied. If Christ is our husband and we are his bride. Now, I'm married. And I don't want some of my wife. I want all of her. And if I can't have her all, she got to go. Amen? That's the way it is in my house. Now, I don't know about yours. I ain't concerned about that. My job is to run mine. But if I can't have her all, then I don't want none of her. Because that's a false love. That ain't real. That's false. So he goes on to say, now I'm going to pour water. How many of y'all know that in the, if you want to be refreshed, you got to come into the presence of the Lord? Because in the presence of the Lord is the fullness of joy. And at his right hand are all the pleasures of life forevermore. Psalm 16 and 8. How many of y'all know that in the presence of the Lord comes refreshing? That's what that water stands for. How many of y'all need a refreshing in life? I know I do. How many of you want to be refreshed this morning? Build that altar. Let this mind be in us that's in Christ Jesus. If you want to be refreshed. Or we can just stay down here, lowballing on this earth, and let the spirit of Ahab hinder us from being what we need to be, doing what we need to do, and having what God will want us to have. Now, I know I'm preaching better than y'all amening up in here this morning. See, I don't need your amens. I just need your ears. Because whosoever have your ear holds your future. Amen? Let's roll. Let's roll up. Mm-hmm. Now, when we look at verse 44, he said, do it again the second time. Did the first time for the spot. Put the water on it the second time. Now remember, we're in a soil famine. Water precious, right? Huh? Come on, y'all. You're talking about poor Elijah. You done lost your mind. We ain't had, no, we, we ain't had rain in three and a half years. And here you are wasting water. No, Elijah. But see, obedience is better than sacrifice. Like I say, pour water on it. Pour it on the second time for the sun. Then he come in and said, now pour some more water on it for the third time, for the Holy Ghost. Three times. Bam, bam, bam. Pour it on it. Pour it on everything. Not some of it. I want you to pour it on all of it. All, everything. Because I'm going to show you what my God is able to do. Then he called on God, the true 
and the living God. He calls on him. And the fire of the Holy Ghost comes down and burn up everything. Licks up all the water, just does it all. Just See, that's what God wants to do. The Bible says God is a consuming fire. And when it hits you right, it'll burn up some stuff in you. It'll make things right where things were wrong. Verse 40, and he said to his servant now, go up, because you got to understand now, after he did what he did, after he called down fight, and after they began, the attention came back to the God of Elijah, the real God, then he commanded that they take those prophets of Baal, that 450 Baal prophets, the one that was teaching the people to serve a false god. He didn't kill the 400, but he went on and killed the 450 prophets of Baal. He had them killed. Well, Ahab went and told Jezebel. Now Jezebel, she's that one that the 400 prophets of Baal, I mean prophets of the grove, what they did was they sat at her table. That's that other crew. And she taught the people through those prophets to commit fornication and eat things that they shouldn't. So you got one serving false gods, you got the other one over here feeding them the wrong stuff so that they will continue to serve false gods. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, they playing ping pong with the people like church do today. They play ping pong with y'all. Ping pong, ping pong, ping pong. And church folk is like a mule with that carrot stuck on a stick. It's in front of you, but you don't never get it because the fix is in. The stick ain't going to never move. You understand what I'm saying? I ain't trying to make you feel bad. I'm trying to wake you up. I just want you to be awake. That's all. Because whoever has your ear, I done told you, hold your future. When the devil got Eve's ear, look what happened. When Eve, when Eve got Adam's ear, look what happened. You better be careful what you listen to and who you listening to. Because that pillow talk is rough. Now, if it ain't the right kind of talk, you better shut up. Do it. No one eat. And he said, do it a second time. And, 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 and they went on and they did what they had to do. And, and Jezebel sent the messenger. Now, this, this is crazy here. Jezebel sent a messenger to him. And it's ironic how Jezebel did this. Look at 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 2. Look at it here. Are we there? 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 2. It said, Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. She, she sent the messenger to threaten. Have God ever done something extremely extravagant in your life? And then you get a bad report from a phone call or some type of message, car tab, air conditioner tab like ours, and you got to kick out about seven grand, you know. When she sent that message to him, I want you to look at this next verse. I want you, this is why you got to be careful about what we listen to. Look at verse 3, 1 Kings 19, verse 3. And when he what? What you mean he saw? She sent a messenger to him to talk to him, a message. And he saw that, and he rose, 
and went for his life. People, words can plant an image in your mind. The messenger came and the messenger spoke into Elijah's ears. Elijah heard up and forgot about what God had just did. He just rained fire out of heaven. He just took out 450 prophets. It ain't been a day yet. And he done forgot that quick. And now this puny Jezebel sends a messenger. She don't even come herself. Bible says she sent a messenger. And whatever was in that message, that threat, put an image in Elijah's head. Now y'all can, y'all can identify what I'm saying here. God done did something great. Then you get some unsettling tidings in your mind and you... Go on the run. Don't see it, church, for half a year. Because you're running. Because you forgot what God did for you over here. Now you don't want to see God till you're doing bad again. Shut up. See, that's why God does what he does to us. He takes it, he lets us go up, then he'll let us go down. Because he got to keep our attention. He'll take that old money from you. He'll take that old job from you. He'll take that health from you. He'll take that old car. He'll take that old girl from you. He'll take that old man from you. He'll take it just to get your attention. Just to get you back where you belong, he will take it. And let me tell you something. When God put his foot on your neck, you can't move until God. I don't care who try to help you. Am I making sense up in here this morning? Mm-hmm. Because he's quiet up in here. <laughs> Say what? It's quiet. Hmm. Wonder why? Because there's things up in us. Now watch this. Verse 3 says, now he saw, when he saw that, he arose. See, she painted a picture in his head. That's the second fear. You remember Obadiah, the servant of the Lord? He got scared. Now Elijah done got scared, the one who knows God. Uh-huh. He got scared too. Told you he was a man like all the rest of us. That's what the Bible says. It's showing up. Somebody say it'll show up. It'll show up. Just like it's showing up in Elijah, just like it show up in me, just like it show up in you, it'll show up in all of us. That's why love covers a multitude of sin. It ain't about running your mouth. Letting your left, Jesus said, don't let your left hand know what your right hand doing. You do something, keep it to yourself. Shut your mouth. Because the worst thing that you can do is destroy integrity. The Bible said we're supposed to cover each other, cover each other with love. And if love is not in it, then God ain't in it either. And God cannot stand a gossiper. A little tight, I know. But look what he did. Verse 3, when he saw, he rose, and he went for his life. Yeah, he's scared now, right? <laughs> and came to Beersheba, which is the well of the perfect oak. Mm. And it belongs to Judah, which means praise. And look what he did. He left his servant there. Jesus Christ. You left your servant in the place of praise, but he himself went on about a day's journey. Where did he go? Into the wilderness, into a place where ain't nothing happening. It's all kind of thickets. Now he's already in fear, so he now he's getting himself trapped more and more and more. I told you he was a man just like we are. Right? And look what he does. He goes and he goes to sleep under a juniper tree. A juniper tree is a place of bitterness. It's a bitter root. See, he was bitter. And he was upset because he had indigestion because that tree, that juniper tree is used for medicinal purposes for an upset stomach. Oh, yeah. He had an upset stomach. Now, you can believe that. 
his belly was upset because he was afraid that 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 uh, uh, Jezebel was gonna kill him. So he's 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 down in that juniper tree. It also in Hebrew means broom, broomstick. See how many times you try to sweep away your bitterness by going to sleep. <laughs> You thought you could sleep at all. You've been in bed two weeks depressed, as Joe did. You understand what I'm saying? And you try because you thinking you can sweep it off. But when you wake up, it's still there. Come on, y'all, talk to me. Come on now. That's being under that juniper tree. Just like him. He said, I just wish I could just lay down and die. That's what he said. I've been there. I've been on that juniper tree where, and, and, and what death don't even want to. And then I think about Revelation where you say, well, for five months men don't want to die and death won't even take them because of the sting that's coming on them. Those stings from those, uh, what them things, locusts. Well, that sin will sting you. Mm-hmm. It'll sting you right well, too. But he himself, he went on and he got up under that juniper tree and look what he did. And as he lay and slept under the juniper tree, verse 5 says, Then an angel touched him and said to him, the angel is a messenger, said, Arise and eat. See, we got to get up out of that sleep. We got to come up out of that sleep. We got to rise up above it. He said, Arise and eat. And the angel of the Lord came a second time. Well, first of all, in verse chapter 6 and verse 6 here, he said, and he looked, when he woke him up, he looked, and behold, that was a cake. That cake means uga. That means it's going to be a fast journey. See, God got us on a fast track. It's going to be a fast journey. So you got to be ready for it. You got to start thinking differently, y'all. We got to be ready for this fast journey that we're involved with. Amen? See, it's going to, I'm, God got us on a fast track. He said now, he said in verse 6, And behold, there was, and he looked, and behold, there was a cake baked on the coals. Uh-huh. The coals is the word of God. That, 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 cake baked, that cake that's baked is the word of God. It's the fast journey. It's going to put us on the fast journey. But the coals that it's baked on is the red hot stones. That's the fire of the Holy Ghost. How many of y'all know that, 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 that the word of God, when it's not in you by way of the fires of the Holy Ghost, it, it can't do what it needs to do. See, you can read this word and it don't do nothing for you. Or you can read this word and exercise this word and allow God's spirit to put that fire in us and we'll roll. We'll roll. See, it ain't about how, I'm, I'm going to show you in a minute that it ain't about how loud or how boisterous things are. Because a lot of times, God ain't in that, in the church. I'm, I'm going to show you that in a minute. Show you. But I'm going to show you also where God is in the church. Mm-hmm. I'm going to show you that too. That's why I don't get up in here. Soups cost too much to get clean. I'm going to sit down for a minute. You think I'm going to get up in here and jump all over pews and all that crazy stuff? <laughs> but what? You either go hear the word or you're not. Amen. And if the word can't do it, then why am I wasting all my money to get suits clean and stuff? Because I'm sweating trying to get you to hear something that you don't want to hear. Hmm? So you got to want this thing, right? Am I talking right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, everybody can't handle this. Everybody can't handle it. Some will. Those are the ones that's going to prosper. Watch this. All you got to do is stick around. You stick around and listen to it, and you'll see the world will tell you the truth about it. Mm-hmm. He says in verse 7, mm-hmm. he says here, he puts out, well, in verse 6, he also puts a cruise of water. That go that refreshing again. But what I want you to do is see where he put it at. He put it at his head. wonder why he put it at his head. Why did he put that word that's red hot with the fire of God and that refreshing atmosphere, that refreshing water, why did did he put it at his head? 
because it was Elijah's mind that was messed up. His mind had to be brought back. His mind had to be renewed. He didn't put it at his foot. He put it at his head. Because my granddaddy said, it's all in your mind, son. All this is all in our mind, every bit of it. And let me tell you something. Whatever is in your mind, your feet will carry out. So it don't need you putting it down there at the foot, see? No. Put it up here. <laughs> Put it up in this thing right here. Let the thing sink in and let's get to work on ourselves. Amen? Mm-hmm. So he puts it at, see, see, I go by the scripture. See? I bring out the, the, the meaning of the scripture where it can help you spiritually to grow. Because what did he tell Elijah to do? Show yourself to that old hindering spirit that's in you. You know that old spirit, every time you try to get up, it'll fool you into going back down. (laughs) When are we going to get tired of doing that to ourselves? With that Duncan yo-yo. Walk the dog. You know, when are we going to stop doing that to ourselves? Hmm? When are we going to become stable enough to understand that God is God and God can not only sustain us, but he can retain us and he can cause us to attain too? When, 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 are, we going, when are we going to do that? When are we going to come to that knowledge? Yeah. he goes on here and... He says, now look, verse 7 says, the angel of the Lord came again the second time, touched him and said, rise and eat. Why? Because the journey is too, it's too hard. The journey is too far. It's too great. And verse 8 says, and he arose and he did eat and drink and he went in the strength of the meat, the food, the cakes and the bread for 40 days and 40 nights until horror. The mountain of God. And I'm going to go ahead on. I'm going to wrap this up here. Give me about eight minutes. He takes and on our way to the mountain of God, there's a trial and a test is coming. Forty days and forty nights. Forty represents a time of testing. See, we got to go through before we can get to the top of the mountain. So when he gets there, and he gets to Mount Hur, the mountain of God, first thing he does is, he gets and goes in a cave. A cave is a dark place. How many people come to church, Mount Hur, the mountain of God, every week? And they come in here, and instead of standing out there to hear what God got to say, what are they doing? They're in a cave within themselves. They're still worrying about yesterday or tomorrow or this evening. They're in a cave because of fear. They're in a cave because of frustration. They're in a cave because they don't feel that they have the money that they need to have. So what? You know, it'll come again. You know, it's like everything else, you know. It's no big issue. It's no big deal. Sometimes we just got to go through the test. But when he went through the test, first thing that he did was he goes into this cave, this dark place, this place of adversity, this place of depression, this place of anxiety. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But he's right there where God is on the mountain of God. He's sitting among the congregation. but he's in a cave. And God comes to him and says, what you doing in here, Elijah? <laughs> God speak to you whether you're in a cave or not. He can get to it. Don't make no difference where you are. You make your bed in hell. You can... I told you. <laughs> I told you. I tried to tell you. I sent my prophets. They tried to tell you, but you wouldn't listen. Now look at you. He'll talk to you in hell too. And let me tell you something. 
Hell ain't got to be filled with fire for it to be hell. <laughs> I've been to hell a few times in this earth. Uh-huh. Yeah. You don't wait to go to hell to know you don't want to go. Just go through some things. You go through the right thing, you'll know that, oh, I don't want no more of this. Enough is enough. Go show yourself to Ahab, that hindering spirit, and tell that devil to get out of the way because I'm coming through. And I'm coming through with my Lord this time. And come hell or high water, you will be destroyed. You got to stand up to that thing. That's if you want it to rain blessings in your life. That's if you want to do that. So he comes out to cave. And there's this big wind, right? There's this big wind. And he scares old Elijah. Old Elijah run back in that cave. You know? But that wind, God sent that wind, and that wind broke up the mountains. That's some strongholds in your life. And them rocks, that's some hard places in your life. You know, hard head, the more, more hard headed thoughts. You know, you know that old cranial up there can get pretty pretty hard sometimes. You know what I'm saying? You know, So you take that sledgehammer and God take it and you hit it harder. And if you don't learn that time, he'll hit it harder until that two by four break. But I guarantee you it will break. God will break you. You know how? By just letting you be hard headed and doing your own thing. That's all he had to do. We'll get there. We'll deal with that. I'll have to get another one. But, so, God wasn't in the wind, the Bible says. So all this stuff about being slain in the spirit and all of that stuff, God just might not be in that. But God might be doing a work to let you see some things. I'm going to show you what God is in in a minute. And then came the earthquake because, see, after everything is split, after everything is destroyed, then that earthquake got to come to shake that debris down. Amen? Because God is trying to get us to a place where we can see. So he sends the earthquake. God wasn't in the earthquake either, he said. Then he sends the fire because he got to burn up all that debris that he done broke up and shaken down through the wind and the earthquake. Am I making sense to you? Got to get that out the way. So he sends the fire. But God wasn't in the fire. But then came a small, still voice that was God. Mm-hmm. Church folk need to get out of the hype and get into the hearing of the word of the Lord. That's why we're in the condition that we're in today. We're doing the same old thing. We call it stir crazy. Stir crazy. If a preacher ain't preaching this gospel in a kingdom word where every time you leave here you know something new, then you don't need to be under that preacher because that preacher ain't valid. This, God gives new revelations every day. And some of these jokers, they're so busy doing everything else until they don't even have time to study. So they just go to read the scripture, pull things out the air. Yeah. <laughs> you pull the devil out there and put it in the people. Telling people they're going to be blessed if you give them a thousand dollars and all that old crazy stuff. That old insane stuff. People ought to have sense enough to know by now. If you don't give them nothing, you can't expect nothing. If people don't know that yet, then they ain't going to never know. As much as folk doesn't preach, don't it? I don't waste my time on preaching on it. I'm more concerned about building you up instead of building my pocketbook up. I work for my own money. So he wasn't in the wind. He wasn't in the fire. He wasn't in the earthquake. He wasn't in the fire. But he was in that small voice. And here comes the instructions that I'm closing. He says, Elijah, basically what he says is, your time's up. See, there comes a time when just knowing that God is God tested ain't good enough. 
you got to go to the next level. So what he does is he say, now I need you to go and I need you to anoint Kehazel of Syria. That word Kehazel means open my eyes or my eyes are open. Remember in Revelation 3.18 he told us to take some of this eye salve and put it on our eyes so that we might be able to see? First thing you got to do after all of the other stuff, the final episode is this. You got to anoint your eyes so that they might see. That's what he told Elijah to go and anoint Kazael because it means open my eyes to see. Now, once he did that, he said, now, and then the next I need you to go and anoint King Jehu. I need you to take Jehu and make him king over Israel. King Jehu, Jehu means to know that he is my God. Wait a minute. There's a level going on here. Elijah only knew that God was God. Jehovah is God. That's what Elijah means. But look at the anointings, these last three anointings, and I've talked about two of them. There's only one left, and that's Elisha. The first one, Kehazel, opens the eyes. That anointing will open your eyes. You got it? When he anoints Jehu, it means to know that God is my God. See how it's becoming personal now? When your eyes become open, it becomes more personal. So he says, okay, the third one that I want you to anoint is one called Elisha. Elisha means God is my salvation. Salvation, see. From opening my eyes to knowing that he is my God to I'm going to get saved. Anybody in here need to get saved? See, somebody in here need to get saved. But pride won't let them. Because they still think that they don't need God. But the evidence of it is the fact that keeps showing up that we do need God. But we keep telling ourselves I've done it too. I can do it with my own strength. And you be by dead. This life will kill you without Jesus Christ. You can't get through it without Jesus Christ. So it goes from opening my eyes to knowing that God is my God. It gets more personal. And it gets so personal now that he's the God of my salvation. Not because um, I believe he can save my soul. Anybody want to rededicate their life to God? Anybody need prayer today? I need it. If you need prayer, come on up. Give me some uh, music on that on, on that if you don't mind, unless you want to come up and get prayer. Otherwise, you know, we can do without the music. Anybody want to rededicate their life back to God? Anybody want to apologize to God for not doing what we need to do when we need to do? It's okay. It's all right. Because that's the kind of God we serve. We serve a merciful God. Pride. Pride is not going to allow us to get to the place where we need to be. Pride is that Ahab spirit, that hindering spirit that keeps you from growing spiritually. Because you ain't going to grow spiritually until you get saved. And God wants to save somebody up here today. Uh Uh-huh. You know. You know if you need saving or not. You know if you need saving or not. And and I ain't wondering about all heads down and all that. Because I don't want to embarrass nobody. No, it ain't about embarrassing. He said, if you shame before men, if you shame of me before men, I'm going to be Shame to you before the holy angels in heaven. So I don't know where they got that from. You know, you got to step out in faith on this thing. What you need, huh? Mm-hmm. Maybe God got that. 
He already, he, 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 he done already gave you the direction. You're home. Get out of the way. And stay out of the way. That's all you got to do. Make it easy on yourself. I'm telling you from experience, I learned the hard way. Now, he's going to give you experience. That's why this word came forth today the way it did. God knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. Just stay out of the way. Let him do what he's going to do. Just let him do what he's going to do. You know what I'm saying? God. Yeah. Yeah. Everything is everything. Yeah. But you got to be specific. Mm-hmm. Because let me tell you something about everything. Everything includes the good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> so you better watch yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay. You be specific with this thing. Because mm-hmm. you ought to know you need everything. <laughs> now you better watch yourself. That's like asking for patience. Hold up. Mm-hmm. You sure you want to? I'm going to pray in the name of Jesus Christ that he give you the strength that you need. What you need, baby? To see, you just heard me tell her not to say that word everything. Because you're calling down the good, the bad, and the ugly. Be specific. What do you need from God? Okay. Father, in the name of Jesus, dig this trench around her, Father God, and place this word inside her so that her health will be healed, Father God. In the name of Jesus, we ask her. Not only to be here, but to be cured completely of it. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Y'all watch what y'all be asking for up in here. Don't be talking about no everything. Everything mean everything. The, the fire, the water, the ice, the butt whoopings. What you mean, but I know. Um, to, to find more time to read the word. Yes, I'm praying in the name of Jesus that he finds more of the time. To be with you, Father, because in your presence is the fullness of joy, Father God. And I'm also praying for the other thing that we have talked about in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.